0: Yamaguchi. We have a wonderful guest today. Um, I want to talk a little bit about kind of where we're going for, before I introduce our guests. So where we're going on the podcast is we're going to have a theme and this month our theme is love. I wonder why it's February. Woohoo! So um, but love because it's this podcast and this podcast is about mental health. This is about love as it as it Warms us in our mental balance and our emotional balance and our life balance and our way of communicating and how we feel about ourselves. So, so I'm, I'm super happy about uh, announcing my guest. It's a very good friend of mine, Lee Keckner. and we met, oh my gosh, we met, <laughs> we met at some ridiculous, like it was like a talk show um, and, with her ex-husband. <laughs> Sorry, sorry to bring up your ex-husband, but it it, no it was fun because we we uh, <laughs> he was on the first on his first ever Saturday Night Live back in 1996. He was introduced with the cat with Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry and and your ex-husband. Anyway, we met and we became we just couldn't stop talking. Lee and I. That is uh, twenty. I think it was twenty five years later or something. Um, But Lee is an extraordinary human who has really focused her life on, on spirituality, on perfect, that we're talking to you today about self-love and about creating, you know, a life that works for you as a, as a life coach and a spiritual guide. Um, So I'd love to hear kind of your take on what love, how love is represented in your kind of, in, in your life, in your mental balance, how you see it balancing your, you know, your brain or your, I don't know, the things that you have to do in your life.
1: I love that, Mariel. I love that. And it's interesting because I think that everyone is a little mentally ill. Meaning their mind might be spinning out of control and they're having a hard time stopping it. There's severity of everything, right? Right. So there's people who are so mentally ill that, that, that um, they aren't able to communicate or so down low. But, but I think the majority of us are in neurosis or neuroses um, because our mind is in control and our mind is fear-based and that causes such um, it causes everything to mess up in our body actually. So for me, self-love is, where it's at. I think it is the most important thing we can practice on the planet. And I also think it's the best thing we can do for the planet. And you think about this, when somebody's crazy or pissed off or running around or doing this, right, they're thinking about themselves. So we only move from two emotions, love and fear. So fear is I got to get ahead. I don't have enough greed. I'm, I'm, I gotta, you know, knocking people over, walking past people. Like it's this fearful, I'm not good enough. I'm, it's caught up in neurosis, which is mental illness. It's just spinning out of control. So what I love about self-love is that you learn, and sometimes I have to do this, but you learn to come from Mm -hmm. your head, which spends about 80,000 thoughts a day. Most of them are negative and 90% of the same ones you spun yesterday. So that's pretty much hell on earth, right? That's going on in here. But when we can learn that that's not who we are and we can learn to start observing that by who we really are observing our humanness and starting having compassion for it and moving from here to here. So this is the access of love of all that is the energy that flows through everything and everyone it's all within us and connected with each of us. So when we're moving from here, we see the world that we're seeing today, which is fear-based out of control. I mean, always on the verge of everything imploding or destructing right with governments and everything that's happening with the environment. So it's like this it's, I'm really getting Gandhi's thing to be the change you want to see in the world. Everything starts here. So if you want to love out here and do good for others, you can only do as much as you do here. Right. And that's what's so important
0: well i love that you say that we're all just a little bit mentally ill which which i know probably those that are listening are, it, it makes you feel uncomfortable to hear that right but the truth is we all have mental imbalances i mean we all deal with grief we all deal with stress we all deal with anxiety we all deal with a a global pandemic we all deal with you know the laundry list is very long so it's very it's very good to just say, "Hey, this is okay," because everybody deals with it. It's not just
1: the mentally ill, I quote mean, unquote. W- well, look, you know, our mind is created to be at peace. I mean, we were we came into this world a clean slate, directly connected to all that is, right? And then that kind of gets paper mache our soul, our heart gets paper mache over it with stories from our parents, from teachers, old boyfriends, you know, from the th- from the world, from generations before us. And, you know, our job is to get quiet, start peeling back that stuff with different tools that we learn over time and get back to the core of who we are, which is peaceful, joyful, happy. That's our natural state. So unless you're experiencing that, there is some mental illness or something not exactly going right with your thoughts. And by by the way, our thoughts cause um, illness in our body.
0: Absolutely. So
1: it's it's... The mind body it's so connected. So whatever we're holding in our thoughts, our body's like, oh, she just said I'm fat. Let's pile it on. Let's hold on to it. I mean, it's it's it sounds simple, but it's true. What you put out, you get exactly back. What you hold becomes your reality. I know I'm going to get COVID. Well, you're go- You're going to. You know. Um, I'm old. I have friends who say all the time, I'm old. I'm old. And I look at them and go, holy hell, they're old. We're the same <laughs> age, but their body's listening. Yeah, it's true,
0: the thoughts, I mean, what it comes down to, the thoughts we think are so incredibly powerful and and Melissa and I talk about that all the time. We are so much more powerful than we realize, but we don't take, oh, yes. we don't take that responsibility. We don't take that and go, oh my gosh, I can do anything. I can be anything. I can be vibrant and vital no matter what the age is. I, mean, I It's incredible. Um. I, I wanted to bring something up that Melissa and I were talking about this morning. And this is a little sure. bit off topic, but you have so many kids. <laughs> so Lee has five kids, right? You have five kids, correct? Yeah, Holy five. Molly.
1: Anyway. Uh, I have two. <laughs> I, I say the same thing throughout the day. Holy moly. It never, when will it end? Oh, never. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's yeah. just
0: pretty powerful. So we're I was so i melissa and i talk every day every morning i was on my walk this morning and um we were talking and and something came up about her son at being at college and he's an unbelievable. first of all he's an unbelievable human i call him my spirit animal i don't know why i just love him so much that i want to Like, just like merge with him in some other lifetime. But (laughs) he is so bright, so accomplished, and so disciplined. But here he is at college, and he was saying, you were saying, well, well, you can say this better, but he was, you know, like working so hard, like a million tests. And one day was eight in the morning till 11 or 10 at night, something crazy. 10 at night. Yeah. So my... So I actually it blew my mind. I thought about it all day. And then I thought about your kids and I thought, wow, the this we are so ill prepared and we have ill prepared our children to deal with the reality of college and the I mean, if we want to get back to love, the lack of love and sort of self self improvement. It's it's self improvement to the Mm -hmm. brain, but it's not self improvement to the whole picture. And I, I think there's Mm-mm. something missing in the education system that requires you as a kid to go off and spend all of your energy till you're totally spent, you know, doing this thing for you, for the, I don't know. I, I, to be honest, oh, it, it, I'm, made, I'm... it made me crazy and I thought I'd ask you about it. <laughs>
1: well i'm I'm a good person to ask because I um, don't believe in our educational system at all, meaning y- yes, it is teaching kids to sit quiet, shut their mouth, and memorize other people's words, and the best memorizer wins right But in real life, all that matters is our perspective, what we bring to the table, how we feel about ourselves, how we communicate with other, our conflict resolution. So kids are going, oh, I'm a great memorizer. I got straight A's. I was this. And then they go out and they're like, what oh, I don't know. What? You said what? Oh, he's mad at me. Oh. There's no coping skills. Right. I mean, to think about a child coming out and a mother instead of a how-to book, you know, what to expect when you're expecting, get a book that says, uh, knowing Karen or knowing, knowing Sadie. And you open it and it says, what does, what lights Sadie up when she's a baby? What is she like? Does she like to be wrapped tight? Does she like to be open? Does she like loud noises? And you start kind of piecing together. All that matters is who we are, what we love, what's difficult for us. So by the time they go to kindergarten, you know, this is what my kids should be studying or, or really making sure we nurture because this is what lights them up. Maybe that's not the right school. We start having awareness of how we can help guide and love and nurture who they were created to be as opposed to saying, shut your mouth, don't interrupt, and memorize. All my kids interrupt, and they're always constantly in trouble. But I'm <laughs> always just like, not all of them, three. <laughs> but I'm always like, speak your mind. Of course, ask questions. But but that's not often um, welcomed or encouraged well, because I, the teachers just want to get I, through their I shit. I want
0: to defend Nobu is your son
1: because he is,
0: he is really bright but he's beyond a, a a memorizer. I mean, he asks questions. He's the most eloquent. I oh, mean, he's a yeah. he's a he's a young man, you know, like I, he's young, but his mind is
1: is is very wise. Anyway, so <laughs> you you said he's your spirit animal. So I know he's a phenom <laughs> because you are. What I was addressing was our no, educational I know, system, I know, nothing know, to do I know, with him. I know
0: I know what you meant and I actually agree. I agree with the with the concept of like, but that's what you were so good, Melissa, and you haven't said a word yet, and I gotta let you talk because you have I know you have opinions on this. But she was such I an was amazing thinking, mother. I mean, you were an amazing mother who you. nurtured this kid to become the person yes. who asked questions. That's really so I appreciate what you were saying.
1: Yes. Really yeah
0: go ahead um, I was as you were talking
2: I was thinking about a conversation I had this morning with uh, a friend of mine out of the out of Ireland who has an incredibly thick brogue and I'm not really quite sure what we were talking about after a while I just got off the phone and I was kept little my daughter said what are you doing I said I don't know it's like I can't stop my mouth mel- my mouth kept trilling rolling down the hill as I was talking <laughs> I was talking to this guy and he's He's doing putting on a uh, warrior, uh, like a male warrior thing, where because he deals with men and mental illness, and he's helping them, and they're doing these ice plunges out of the UK, where they, you know, warriors well, ready, and they and they all go rushing into the water. And he I, he said, Melissa, don't you find that in that that we're taking away masculinity from men? And I said, Well, it's that, interesting that you should say that. Um, my sons in college, and I think it was I think it was his sophomore year. He's now junior that he was telling me about a professor he had, um, a female professor. I'll leave the name of the college and everything at at anonymous here. But he was, my son's 6'6", 6'7", in shoes. So he's a tall, long, lanky guy. And his legs were not closed. His legs were open. And the teacher was walking and he moved and opened his legs. And she said, must you manspread to try to dominate me? The professor asked my son this and he said, I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. He said, I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. And she said, Anytime a man spreads his legs, it's he's trying to control and intimidate the females. And my son said, Well, I'm going to assume you don't have my anatomy, and because I'm going to assume you don't have my anatomy, you have no idea what you're talking about. He said you couldn't be more wrong. Testicles can shift to an area where it makes it uncomfortable to sit. I'm making sure that I am comfortable. <laughs> he said, and he said, you're wrong. He said, so carry on. And I, he was telling me this and I said, I'm really proud Perfect. of you for wow. speaking up for yourself. So yeah. I was telling this, I was telling this um, guy in Ireland, I'm not sure what he said. said something about lucky charms. And, and then we, <laughs> we carried on. But as you were talking, I was thinking, giving people permission, regardless of the environment, whether it's in a relationship, which I'd like to segue to with you, because I understand you're in an amazing relationship now Leah with this a lovely person but giving people permission whether you're the parent raising our children whether you're a a lover within a new relationship whether you're a friend however that wherever that it unfolds giving people permission to speak their mind to speak their truth to question to understand more purely is really our greatest our greatest gift we can give to people and i my question for you is i know that being a reiki master your whole the 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 beautiful gift of Reiki is that not only do you heal energy and you reduce stress, and I would think, God, isn't isn't that what our relationships should be like also? So I want to talk to you about this in the yes. theme of love and relationships and giving permission. How do you coach and 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 work with your your clients and your your audience on how to navigate? This real tenuous step where people are fearful of giving someone too much liberty in a relationship for fear they're going to lose a bit of themselves. How do you help them find that balance in the
1: name of love? Oh, a few things. There's fear, right? Fear and love. So when people are having fear Mm -hmm. about giving things away or receiving it or it's done right or it has to be this, right? It's already starting out opposite of love so anytime people have fear or are guarded or want to make sure you know what i mean that's a yeah. block from love because love flows love is just love so anything that we're holding in our crazy ass spinning minds that want to protect us because of past right or something that our parents did or something of a relationship or our last my husband <laughs> or whatever it is we're bringing a bag of shit into the present moment right so it's not happening it's not real but we're bringing it in to a beautiful space of love so having people allowing people to have ownership of their thoughts and what they bring right cuz often with i'm dating this this um actually uh, spiritually committed to um this guy named Billy who I, I thought you got married but I'll have to tell did you get married? Well we did but we we did look i got a pretty ring <laughs> But here's what it is. He said, I want to marry you. And I said, I want to commit myself to you because I know you're the guy. And I said, but I just got my alimony and my child support. And that was 22 years of my life. And I, that's my money. And if I marry you, I don't ever have access to what we created in that 22 years. And I would like that. So I'm, I'm open to committing myself spiritually to you with my heart and soul. But not doing it the way the government tells us we have to gotcha. to make it right or, gotcha. or legal, gotcha. right? Um, so just 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 for now, right? And then when I'm making my gazillions of dollars <laughs> that you know I'm I'm, I'm walking towards, um, I'll let that go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but here's what's really interesting about him. When I met him, something lit up here, and and I just knew, wow! It felt like here you are. And we just jumped right in Um, and we've been together for nine months. But what's so interesting about it is I got at the basic primal thing within me. This is my guy. Now, this is my guy I'm going to walk home with. This is also my guy that I'm going to get triggered the hell from. He's going to trigger everything in me that needs to be healed. And I think that's something that's really important to know about a relationship is we go in with fluffy love and excitement, right? And then after about a year, that starts to wear off. And you're like, oh, shit, you what? What'd you say? You know, all of these kind of things come up. But what happens is we have so much trauma, old stories, old hurts in our body that need to be released. And a partnership is coming together in a space of love to enjoy all of you, not always perfect and good, but what I'm loving with him is I have this awareness that I didn't have in my last marriage with David. I was just in it, figuring out life as I go. But now I know when I'm like, what did you just say? How dare you? you know?" I want to do something like that. Or you forgot what? That I stop. Or I do it, actually. <laughs> Usually I do it. Because I'm not a robot. I'm very human. And I respond and I get mad. And then after a few breaths or after I sit for a minute, I go, oh, shit. This is mine. This upset is mine. Where did he touch inside me that needs me to love it? And it's getting into the self-exploring. This is this is a part of self-love, mm-hmm. is realizing your triggers are not because someone cut you off. Your triggers because in the past somebody hasn't let you feel like you matter, or you don't fit in, or you can't get in. And you know what I mean? You're not heard. And so you overreact to somebody cutting. When the truth is, if you if you stay out of your crazy and you look at the facts, Somebody went fast in front of you. Wow, he must have been in a hurry. He must be having a hard day. I'm going to let him go. But instead, we attach a hurt, we get triggered, and then we respond or react. I mean, not respond, we react. So that's something super cool with my new relationship with Billy is he says something. I'm like, are you freaking (laughs) kidding me in my head? And then I'll go, what did you just say? And he's like, why did that make you mad? I'm not mad. I just want to know what you said. You know what I mean? And then it's like... I just visited him for four days. I just got back, he lives in Seattle, we go like every other week. And I argued with him the whole time. I was constantly triggered. By the end, I was so exhausted. And on the way to the airport, I was like, holy hell, Billy. And he goes, why well, I to go? I had no idea I had that much more work to do on me. Yeah.
0: That's nice though. It's wonderful that you could come to that place. And it's also really wonderful that you can see that love doesn't always look, like you said, fluffy and happy. And, you know, Melissa's been in a relationship for, I mean, 30 years? Is it 30? It's 30-something years. 38. 38 years. 38 years. Wow. Which is astonishing. And you have... A, a wonderful relationship, but it's but I, a real relationship. I, I want to say, you know, and it's developed. Yeah,
1: I want to say something real quick about, Meryl, I'm sorry. I want to say one one thing that pops in. When people go, I've been married 42 years, I don't applaud anymore because I want to know that. Are you happy? That's
0: why, that's why I you brought doing it up things because together. it's one Do of you... the few relationships yes. that I can say, yes. oh my God, they work on it all the time. I mean, they're they're the most committed the relationship, but also as a family, they work on, I mean, it really is inspiring and we'll do a show on it. Gorgeous. It, it's amazing. And, and Bobby well, and I, I have that I, kind I, of, and Bobby gorgeous. and I have that kind of relationship, but you know, it took me oh, yeah. to have a I bad relationship to get there, whatever, or not a bad relationship, yeah. but a tough relationship, I should say.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I, I think, I think the most important thing is we give, we give ourselves permission for it to not look pretty sometimes and not redefine what it is. It's still love. And you said you alluded to this earlier. Always. Billy, I ha- I had a relationship before that where I didn't trust the guy as far as I could throw him. And so going into this, I had my armor up. I you know, and I came in talking like a tough chick and I like I won't put up with this in a relationship. And <laughs> Billy's, you know, a lot more zen than I am and he was like and a little bit more confident than I wish he were sometimes. Sometimes I wish he'd just bend a little <laughs> bit, but he was like, Yeah, all right. Okay. <laughs> like he you knew. Like, okay, you're, you're the tough girl. Okay, got it. And we we clashed a lot in the beginning because he was born and raised in Japan, and and I was born and raised in the South, but both of us were raised in a totally, me by matriarchal family, him by patriarchal. And so there was a lot of clash, and I thought it was just that, and it wasn't. It was the two of us trying to understand each other. And we did that, as you mentioned earlier, and you're young. I didn't have children until I was in my late 30s, almost 40. So we were younger, trying to figure life out together, and then we had children much later. When you talk about, and Meryl can answer this too easily, when you guys think back to the relationship you had before, before the one you have now, that you're committed to, do you think that you expected differently or that you changed differently and is, or is it a combination of both?
1: I I'll say when I was married to my husband, David, I was committed and in for life and whatever the hell came, I was rolling up my sleeves and saying, let's do the work. So something that I really appreciated about divorce that I didn't know about it before is we are here to be a partnership, right? We're walking each other home. Not We don't have to be on the same path all the time, but we're walking towards a common goal, a future together, a vision, right? The minute somebody sits down and you're still walking yeah, and you look back and you say, come on, and they're like, not getting up, not getting up, like, but I'm still moving on with life, come right. with me. I'm sitting down, right? You're no longer in a partnership. You're no longer in a, in a relationship of two people walking together. And as soon as somebody sits down, it's over. And if people stay in that, because for the kids, they're modeling yeah. for the kids, what a loveless marriage looks yeah. like, right? They're showing how to just settle for what is, you know, but yeah. that's not why we're here. So it was a really beautiful gift for me because I'm all in when I'm in. But when somebody sits down, I had to really grieve my thought that I was told that it's Life in the Catholic Church. You don't divorce. You're back. All this stuff, you know. Yeah. And, and for my dad too, with my mom. So I'm just like, I had to almost die to let go of the idea that we're he wasn't mine anymore. That we outgrew ourselves. But it was actually natural and beautiful. But I, my fighting it yeah, caused yeah. me suffering.
0: Yeah. And I think for me it was, it was. I think I had this I had a similar. I mean, it wasn't a religious like thing, but it was definitely you know, oh, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be different. And, and I always found that I turned it back on myself. I need to do more work on myself. It must be me. Things aren't working out. There's no communication. It must be me. I was also super young. I got married at, I met him at 22. I was married eight months later when I just turned 23. So I was super young because I think of my own girls who are in their thirties and they're, you know, they're not married yet. And you know what i mean so i was just this very young girl who who was living in a very adult sort of and looked like i knew what the heck was going on and i and i really didn't i i learned and i think you're absolutely correct you're you're i i wanted to move with this person grow with this person and then there is a certain point where you look back and they're sitting down and you're like wait why what and I held on for a lo- for the longest time until like one day I just looked and I said I can't do this anymore. I just I can't. And he was like, "Huh?" And I was like, "I'm no. done." And it was and that, such that, a relief. That, it was also yeah. very painful. Yeah, and very hard. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it, you know, and that yeah. is a form of love, right? It's it's a love that you know that you've had because you've had children or or whatever. And and I was in it. And I I thought it was the biggest thing in my life until it just had, it had shifted and moved to a different thing that could no longer be. And it was no longer healthy. And it was not serving me or him. So, and it doesn't serve your kids. And I think that was one of the key things that you said that is so important is that we... We make the mistake of thinking, oh, I'm gonna stay for my children, but they know energetically they right. know. They know that there's pain oh, involved. Yeah. They know, know that there's toxicity in the in the room, you know, there's unspoken things. It's not healthy for anybody,
1: you know? It becomes no. yeah. Mm-hmm. It becomes of love. And you know, you said it's and you said, Well, it's a form of love to still want to hold on. No, that's actually not because when you just said, you know, it's a form of love to still want to hold on to this thing. Well, if it's not love anymore, and it's hurting your body, and it's not uplifting you and him, right? You're no longer equally yoked. Holding on to that is actually a disservice to self. No, I it's didn't say. Self-love. I didn't.
0: No, I, and I—I have to correct you. That's not what I meant. I me. meant that it is uh, that that okay. love has different stages, and love as it's not
1: yes, you
0: know, as it's not working in that form shifts. It becomes a different yeah. and that my self love yeah. was I can't do this anymore, and yeah, yes, yeah, that's, that's when you when got when to the I point, knew, yes. And my life, has, I can't do it,
1: it's crushing shifted.
0: me. And there's so much more love in my life now. Like, I've been my friendship yeah. with Melissa is extraordinary to me because I never had girlfriends, I just didn't have friendship. I mean, I had some girlfriends that I knew forever, but I was no. I don't either. I'm a loner. Like, really, close, I'm, a, I'm a loner. Like I didn't know how to love others because I couldn't love myself. I mean yes. that you hear that all the time, but because you yes. are so kind of, it's like a it's like a muscle I didn't use, and it it was and it was almost embarrassing. Yeah. Like I I was I didn't know why I couldn't be have like really close friendships you know you'd see the movies of women (laughs) having these friendships forever and I'd be like
1: oh no wait Mariel this is my same thing my first friend I had as an adult named Liz I said to her I just want to tell you I like you so much but I really don't know how to be a good friend so will you kind of stick with me as I navigate this because I'm used to just being acquaintances with everyone and I feel like a loner because my story from my childhood was I'm all alone and that's even though I was in a big crowded house with a lot of people so that was kind of my story so when I kind of get vulnerable that you don't know what to do right you, you know you're a loner let them go you know but no I longed for that deep well, sister I, connection with that I, ha- <laughs> I have it and with so Malisha I think it's so beautiful it, really,
0: it blows my mind it, it caught it's like a surprise that's where love is is so extraordinary in the sense that it's not just mm. your you know your partner in life you know that you're yeah. married to or whatever that you're living with it's also these friendships yes. that become as important relationships as any other relationship yes. that you have because my relationship with melissa is so important to me and i'm so i'm so connected to oh it. yeah it's beautiful you know, it's, it and it's fun and it's interesting as it unfolds. It's a love that is like new to me, but it's it's like, wow, this is great. This Mm. is great. It's wonderful. Yeah, it
2: really is. I love it.
0: It's it's fun. And it's and when it's when you both put in the when
2: you're both coming from a position in a relationship, you're both coming into it wanting the same. I want I want this relationship as much as Marielle does. I want my marriage as much as he does. I want a relationship with my kids as much as they want with me with children. Yeah. It's a trickier thing, right? Because children are going through phases and sometimes parents want more than the kids can give at the time, but whatever it is, yeah. this, whenever your relationship as an adult with a friend, with a lover, uh, a spouse is, is coming from an equal grounding, I mean that's the whole point of walking together at the same pace. And what and one thing that I yeah. do I'm hearing both of you say, you both walked into your new relationships these this with a different mindset of expectations not only for the relationship but also of yourself. And I think when instead of pointing the fingers of, uh, you know, this is all because of him. This is all because of her. And we can say, well, maybe I was lacking in this area and I'd like to strengthen that muscle using Mariel's terminology for, for me, regardless of whether a B or C works out for me, when you come in with that, I think that's, it's really key for us to understanding as a business owner over the years, we Billy and I've had our own businesses for 20 plus years. And I've often seen the healthiest, departures of that that employer-employee relationship have been when the person on their exit would say to me, I'm moving on to do this, or I'm leaving to do that. And I just want you to know, I love what you and Billy did for me in this area. And I see where I need to be stronger in this area. So I'm leaving. And I And I always thought, it's not that they were blaming themselves, but they admitted that it wasn't you know, I've had also had people leave and say, "You guys suck," and I'm out of here, and you guys are terrible. And then they go on to still have trouble wherever else they are, because you know, bad new, bad bad energy follows you like a stink. So they just would fall, fly out the door and not grow. But you guys walked into these relationships saying, "Okay, I won't accept this, and I need to work on this for me. I recognize that this is not good for me." And so I think that loving yourself is one of the most selfless things you can do. Because then you're you're good for everybody around you, the more balanced and beautiful you are. That's and, right. And I know, Lee, that you Mariel was telling me earlier that you and you and I spoke about it briefly pre-show that you have an event coming up. Can you please talk to our audience about that and tell us what it's all about? Yeah, and where please. and when and why and who and how? All the five <laughs> journalistic questions.
1: Uh, absolutely. Thank you for asking. I'm having my self love fiesta in um, Baja Cabo at a place called the White Lodge. And it is extraordinary, beautiful. It's, uh, it's like the perfect space. It's small and it's white and it's overlooking the Sea of Cortez. And, um, you know, what I found working with people, it's, it's, it doesn't matter what seminar you go to, what book you read, what, unless you know you're worthy of having what you're reading, you're worthy mm-hmm. of the abundance and the abundance class, you know, unless you really, it's in your core, it goes on your shelf, and you just go to the next one and the next one, right? So I'm I'm just realizing how hungry people are for more and deeper and happier experiences in life, and and the only thing keeping us from that is our mind and our thoughts. So helping people quiet here, and coming here, and and I have practices that I did with myself um, through my divorce, which was a really horrible experience, a sad heart ripping. Um, I found ways when I was in hell to close my eyes and come back to me and say, I'm right here. I got you. I've got you. You're okay. Just breathe. Everything's okay. I mean, I got these tools that I mastered on myself because I was literally crazy spinning, couldn't sleep, couldn't eat all the stuff I was finding out all the stuff I was going through. It was, I was like, gosh, I, I'm dying with him. I'm dying with like, I heard about this thing that it, You get in their disease, you can, you know, but I was like, I am, I can't eat, I can't sleep, I can't parent my children. I tried to help them and change. I can't do that either. And finally, you know, when I got so tired, I realized, oh, wait, Mm -hmm. all we can ever do is us. Right. We can never change another person. And the only way to change is to be what you want to see. So I thought, what do I want in a relationship? And the biggest thing for me, everything is 50-50, no matter what anyone says. There's one side, there's the other. And yeah. somewhere in the middle is the truth. Yes. Right? Because we Absolutely. have our own perspective. Can you,
0: can you tell us uh, before, no because right we're, wrong, gonna, right? we're about to wrap up, but I'd love for you to tell us the place, okay. the date, and how they can connect with you if they want to
1: come fantastic so the place is called the white lodge in baja cabo Mm. it's ew it's my (laughs) own hair i was like what's in there (laughs) it's april 20th through the 23rd um and i will give you guys a link that they can read more about it and sign up and you can also follow me on instagram at and it's just my name lee Keckner. l-e-i-g-h-k-o-e-c-h-n-e-r and um, there's in, in my bio. Well, this has been
0: great. Book. I I love talking to you because you really do have such a a beautiful. I love your life experiences because they inform how you think about the world. And frankly, how can we, how can any of us have an opinion about anything unless we've got an experience that that surrounds it or that touches it? So that's right. Thank you for sharing your experiences and thank you for sharing your love in the beginning of our our kind of
1: love journey <laughs> thank you so much my pleasure and to everyone listening you are worthy you are whole you are perfect just as you are try and be gentle with yourself and tell your mind to shh.
0: it sounded a little bit like mr rogers i like that That's though all right. <laughs> oh i love him so much
1: won't you be my that. neighbor
0: i do too i actually i love too. him so precious great. man anyway yeah. Thank oh you, my gosh, did you see, so you, much. Okay, thank yeah. you for coming to Outcomes the Sun podcast. Lee Keckner we're so excited that you came on today and thank you Melissa. This was wonderful and you're gonna have to come back and talk to us again. Hi everyone, I'm Marielle Hemingway and my partner Melissa Yamaguchi who's actually in Montreal right now and we have a great Outcomes the Sun uh, episode today. We have a friend that I actually went to school with. I'm super excited about this because, yeah, we've kind of reunited after many years of seeing each other at a distance, and then we reunited, and it just turns out that he is involved in so much incredible mental health, community, wellness, health stuff that I just got very excited. We What, we met in the summer, I think uh, in 2022, we met in the summer and it was like, it was like no time had gone by. I just noticed a couple of wrinkles on both of our faces, but I won't even talk about (laughs) that. But anyway, we have an amazing guest. His name is Tyler Norris and he really has been in the space of, of mental health and wellness and creating well communities. And um, I would love for Tyler to kind of explain what that means, because I think people don't realize that there is such a there's such a need for communities to come together and that wellness in a community kind of from a community aspect really is a powerful a powerful place to create change, and I'd love for, for you to explain as an entrepreneur, as uh, as a philanthropist, how you have made changes in communities and where you have done that.
3: Well, first, Marielle, how delightful to be on this show with you, and uh, <laughs> we won't talk about how many decades ago we were in school together. But, <laughs> no, uh, we won't. But but to reconnect and find ourselves kindred spirits, and how do we help? create more well-being in our lives and in our communities is, is, really, a, is really a delight. And uh, Melissa, great to be here with you and getting to know you as well. Um, you know, Marielle, is you know, uh, it wasn't always so easy in, in our community growing up, but a lot of us struggled with lots of things as, as young people, lots of mental health challenges, addiction challenges, et cetera. And, and uh, I was not spared my own struggles with that. And Reading this valley and then going out into the world after college, I I felt called to measurably improve the health of communities. How do you create communities that are gardens to grow people in? That is kind of what has emerged for me early as a sense of mission, a calling, and what I wanted to be about. And I find myself now, you know, some four decades later. Um, I said I wasn't going to share time, right? Um, You know, having had the opportunity to work in over 500 cities across the country, um, work with uh, about a half a dozen philanthropies, and how you make investments in community well being that create the conditions for flourishing in the first place. And this conversation might talk about how do we change our own behavior to eat healthier, move more, manage our stress, build connection. You know, all those things that we know help create healthy lifestyles. I was always interested in how do you create the conditions that support the healthy choice? How do you make the healthy choice the easier choice? And particularly for people who, who are lower income and struggle in communities that are less resourced. We may say, I want to eat healthier or I want to move more, but it's not safe. Uh, cheap empty calories are all that's available in the store. So we've been working to create communities that support human flourishing.
0: Awesome. That's amazing. Well, and you really have made a difference. I think in the Bay Area you 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 have you have a significant uh, you've made a significant impact there. And and, it, and it's so interesting you bring you bring up the very subject that that really that I think about a lot because it 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 seems to be to be healthy in our brains and our bodies seems to be a, a, a people with you know with means. It's like oh well that's an option for you, but especially in this country we don't make that an option for everybody, and it should be, and and it and and it needs to be. I was uh, having a conversation with Bobby earlier, my significant other, yeah. and we were talking about you know, we were talking about we want to create a wellness center here in, in, in you know, the Wood River Valley, which is where you, you and I both come from and we're kind of creating community here. Um, but you know, who supports that? Well, people with means, obviously, are the ones that are going to be able to support that. But what that, for me, what that says is, okay, so you get those people that have money and that can do that, And then you say, you give a little bit extra because once a month, I want to bring people in from, you know, Jerome and Twin Falls and wherever, you know, Idaho Falls or whomever and the support communities that support this great community that we live in that don't have the means to shift their their life and they don't have the education. I want to be able to educate people that don't, you know, don't have the opportunities that we have. I mean, we, you know, we get it all day long and, you know, things that are obvious to us are not obvious to to everybody else. And so um, what are you doing actually in our little community? Do you have anything specific that you're working on or?
3: Well, a couple of things are brewing in the community. And I'll just build on one of your earlier points first, which is that um, most of what creates health, the health of people. At a population level, 330 million Americans, for example, has nothing to do with the healthcare delivery system. It has to do with education. It has to do with having a living wage, access to healthy, yeah. fresh, nutrient-dense foods, a reasonable place to live, you know, humane housing, transportation to get to work and school and all those things that matter, uh, including. A sense, of, uh, a sense of belonging, being welcome where you live. Yeah. So many people, particularly black and brown and immigrant and queer, they feel like, now am I welcome here? Am I wanted here? And yeah. that sense of isolation increases that way. So, what are all of those things historically, they've been called the social determinants of health. These days, we think of them as the vital conditions for intergenerational well being. It's those conditions that we've been investing in in communities across the country. To ensure that people not only have access to health care, but access to the determinants of health in the first place food, housing, income, education, all those things that conspire uh, to produce health. So, a number of the things that I think are really exciting in the Wood River Valley, as you know, recently we um, were addressing the uh, tragic spate of suicides, um, some associated with substance misuse in our own community. Um, sadly, it would be sad if it was anyone, but many of those among our first responders, some of yeah. those who are the first on the scene to care for yeah. others, whose lives have been struggling for a series of reasons, particularly during COVID, who were among those who uh, had died by suicide. So we've been working a lot in this valley to do much as you've done, to normalize talking about our depression, our anxiety, yeah. thoughts of suicide, how we might be struggling with addiction. These are not moral failings or character flaws. These are no. human realities as we know. And so we've been, most of all, making it safe to talk. Second, we've been creating uh, more of a ground for people who can listen. I mean, you know, sometimes we need our psychiatrists and psychologists, and we need others to help, but oftentimes we just need another human being who will <laughs> listen and Be there, not trying to fix us or something. So we're building skills of how to support turning to one another so that amidst provider shortage and all that, we all have skills that we can be there for one another. And I think that um, this whole idea of expanding access to well-being, both through ensuring people have access to those community conditions, but also to someone to talk to, uh, to make meaning of what you're struggling with, these turn out to be the main drivers of well-being: a sense of purpose, belonging, uh, some awe and wonder, maybe from beauty or relationship, food, whatever might feel like it's it's enlivening, and then service—the ability to give back. And so, a big part of what we're working on in this community includes uh, service opportunities, so uh, that people can be part of that incredible mutuality and reciprocity that is human life with each other that is community.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah, um, Melissa and I talk a lot about that on on the show. We talk about well, first of all, I often bring up listening. I think listening is one of the, the one of the key ingredients to people feeling I mean, to be heard. It, in a world where you feel you know less than or or you know marginalized in any way being heard is is one of the first steps towards kind of creating that community uh, yes. and a space of listening so that yes. so i'm 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 grateful to hear these words because these are the kinds of things these are the building blocks that, that really do create community and community that is open to the dialogue, whatever the dialogue may be.
3: I think, first of all, I I love you listening and tuning in as I tune in with my kids, all of us, were talking before we got on the show (laughs) about our kids and and how much we're learning from them about how they're navigating the complexities and challenges of this time. Because the layered crises, if you take sort of a political and social and COVID and you know, climate existentialism, and you really look at the challenges, it's a pretty heavy load on our young people. So what you're describing is so important. And for me, I've you know, having been at this work for a long time now, I, I've always been a bit suspect of the, of the magic bullet. You know, the truth is, is that are cheap, empty calories profitable? And do a lot of companies make money selling us this? Absolutely, and that is part of the problem. In fact, we can look at how our tax sub even subsidizes cheap empty calories. That's a part of the solution. And God bless those who want to go after and work on that. I think it's really important. Another aspect of that, though, is our food environments. Do we have so many people live in food deserts where accessing nutrient dense food is very difficult or potentially unaffordable? And then they're stuck with you know you have food deserts on the one hand and then junk food swamps on the other <laughs> where what's available is you know it's toxic yeah and so those are things where it could be local political pressure um, and 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 choices all the way to the choices we all make to put better things in our body so I think we have to own our own choices recognize Absolutely. that the environment's going to shape that and if there's bad actors out there we can vote with our pocketbook and with our feet, and as well as uh, vote as as uh, people in our democracy, if we're finding that our farm bill, for example, is subsidizing commodities that are not beneficial or our food uh, pyramid strategies aren't actually helping people eat, wake up some whole. So there's, I think there's a, let's just say that we have multifaceted challenges so the solutions are also multifaceted. Yeah. They're political, they're investments, they're, they have to do with place, but they also have to do with each other, you know, yeah. and we can all support each other in eating better too.
0: You know what? This all comes for me, it's kind of what you're saying is the simplistic version is lead by example, right? You only can be as good as you can be, right? So you show up and yeah. you you are an example to those around you. And then ultimately, it's like you know. I guess I guess the community. It's like joining hands, but education then becomes so incredibly important because what you're talking about, you know, that you know, nutrient dense food. Most people don't even have the language for that. They don't even understand that that's a problem. They don't understand that eating empty calories and horrible food is affecting their brain capacity their ability to make good choices their ability to walk into the wor- world with power and confidence and and you know and focus because their their brain is full of chemicals so i i find it you know it is it's multifaceted and very scary but the education piece has is, is got to be critical
3: and the, the, the thing for me i think if i try and Simplified it in this way is that it, again, a lot of my work has been focused on creating these conditions to support people making the healthy choices. But then when it comes back to our own pizza, I think it comes down to three things. Eat healthy, move more, yeah, and find your joy. Yes. and by eating healthy, we mean not too much, low on the food chain. Right, We know what that is. Move more, which means take a walk. My God, the most important part of the day might be to walk with your partner or walk with your kid or the dog or take in a little nature and not talking to anybody for a little bit. That is so powerful while moving your body. Sometimes uh, my best ideas come that way. I actually have a practice of never hiring anybody that I haven't had a walk with a little (laughs) harder during COVID because you learn so much about how people are when you walk with them. And yeah. so walking is a very powerful thing to do. And we're made for walking. Yeah. I mean, that We are bipeds. That's what we're made for. And finding joy is so, it can be a little elusive because so many of our little programs for happiness, like the junk food or too much couch time or a substance, uh, those little programs for happiness don't do too well for us, right? No. They're good for a bit, but they don't really bring us what we want. We're wired for connection. In yes. fact, we're, our birthright is connection. So when we're not connected with other people, it's like violence on ourselves. We're bereft, like many of us experienced during COVID. So those things, eat healthy, move your body, and be with people. Those are the things that connect. And sometimes when we're like, oh, my God, I just can't it with another person, that's when you need another person most. And yeah. you take time to cultivate those friends and be that friend, God's sake, for the other person. For somebody else who may need that. Ear well, and it's that like it's like you. S- you
0: also brought up service. It's like I always say to people: if you're going through that dark, you know, night of, or just even having a bad day, right. the best thing you can do is do something for somebody else because it gets you out of your own story, your own head, your own nonsense. And and one of the best things you can do, and it's what Melissa and I do all the time is we do we go out for walks sometimes we're virtually together, but, (laughs) but you know, it's, it's important nature is so healing. It's so profound and powerful, you know, and we're so lucky to be up here, but you know, no matter where you are, if you have to go around a block in a city, it, 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 there's something, it does something, it shifts the energy and it changes you. And that's, and it's true. Movement, eat better, you know, like make simple choices you know, and be, and be quiet for some part of the day, be quiet, you know, like, and we know that from our, you know, our own spiritual practices. And we, I know that all three of us have our own sort of way about, you know, meditation or, you know, some sort of spiritual focus, but that's, that's also key. It's like finding something that you believe in and really believing in it and just taking the time to allow that, to wash over you because sometimes joy will come from that right from those from those choices that you make
3: so it's interesting and 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 letting ourselves and and just to say this that allowing that grief to happen that sadness to happen is sometimes really key it's like the it's like the beauty we've all experienced when the tears finally come, you know, then there's really a chance to feel okay again. Yeah, because like, it mm-hmm.
0: is, It is. you know, yeah. it's doable. What you're saying is what we're suggesting is not is not insurmountable. We're not saying that you have yeah. to, you know, join a, a something, <laughs> any kind of anything. You yeah. just have to walk outside. You just have to get up five minutes earlier and take the, you know, yeah. A few minutes to be still of, you know, a quiet walk, but you know, and, and it's yeah. though, but it's those messages that you keep having to, it's kind of like starting meditation. You know, I've, I've people who always say, Oh, how can you meditate? Well, I didn't start meditating an hour. I started, <laughs> you know, I started with like two minutes and it was really torturous. I, as I recall, you know, but then I added two minutes. And then I added two minutes and then, and soon I was at 20 minutes and then 20 minutes kind of went past in a very easy way. And then some days it's, you know, it's long. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes Mm. you're in the mix of it, but that's Mm. life. And also the beauty of being uncomfortable sometimes, you know, because I think we do live in a society that we want it to all be pleasant. And not all of it is pleasant. You know, like sometimes you have to get a little dirty in order to figure out your stuff. But then getting through that, you do get washed clean and you do feel this. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Ah, I understand a little bit more about myself just by. Yeah. Sitting in the discomfort for for not for a ton of time, but sometimes we have to, we have to address the discomfort to understand where it comes from and how to get yeah. out of it. You know, what is that direction right. out, right? I, I don't know.
3: I really love, I love that. No, I really love that because you know, when we begin to learn to meditate or even just to sit for five yeah. minutes so, we're just we we wiggle our bottom we our mind is racing we're making lists for the grocery store it's like what is it why can't I just be here with myself so that's true that's challenging to actually just be with our feelings and our thoughts and all that and that but the thing that I think is, is most challenging for people that are really struggling is the is the way of talking with ourselves about ourselves that we would never say to a friend. We have conversations with ourselves. I can't believe you did that. Once again, you this, you that, you know, and I know that my own critic in that is harsher on myself than I would ever be to another soul. And so um, whatever may be the cause of suffering, uh, what uh, one of my teachers, Pema Chodron has talked about as the first arrow, right you're, yes. you're struggling with the grief or you're struggling with depression or you're struggling with loss or you can't find work or that thing you're trying to do is not happening or your partner this or that that's the first arrow but that second arrow is the one that is toxic language yes. back at ourselves the most important thing we could do is sweeten ourselves that doesn't mean don't be tough you know hold ourselves accountable to our commitments but get get kind with yourself and I know for myself that's been amazing. Oh it's
0: huge. Self talk. Yeah. I talked about it in one of the books I wrote years ago. Uh it, it's yeah. like toxic, toxic self-chatter. We we are so many if you had that person to dinner, you know, you would kick that person out. Like you are so rude. But we talk we do this all day long. We're constantly, you know, like I'm not good enough, I'm this, I'm that, I'm all the you know, it, it really is and that is learned behavior. I mean, I know you and I grew up in some interesting homes and our childhoods yes. were wonderful and complicated and there was a lot of people in our lives with their with their own self-chatter and you picked that up. And as a child, you know, I think about my daughter who is pregnant, thinking about what what I didn't do and what I was still doing to yeah. myself <laughs> at the time, right? right? And thinking, oh my gosh, she has such an opportunity to not berate herself and continue that behavior onward. So it, it, it's an it's an uh, it's just an interesting conversation because it is wow. We do we are not nice to ourselves, and that's so sad, you know, because mm-hmm. you know we only have ourselves mm-hmm. to be to be walking through life and. And ultimately, it's the message inside your head that you keep listening to. Well, Tyler, <laughs> this conversation could go on and on, and we are, we have a very short show. It's thirty minutes, but what you have brought up for us, I know, I I know, I speak for both Melissa and I were it's it's just refreshing because that's really the kind of the the philosophy and the roots of our philosophy are based on this this simple these simple choices that we can make and and I think that that's what you're introducing into communities and we're so grateful for that so thank you come back and talk to us because there's so much more To address and you're you really are making an impact. I I I haven't really expressed how how grateful I am to for what you have done in different communities around the country and actually around the world. So thank you for that and thank you for being my friend for so many years.
3: (laughs) Yes. Well, here's to deepening that and continuing the conversation and the work we can do here in the U.S. Yes our community and around Absolutely. the world. So thanks to that. And Melissa, so enjoyed this time with you as well.
0: Thank you all for joining us on another Outcomes the Sun podcast. Join us next week for another show and have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful week. Happy New Year.